Hey lovelies, welcome to episode number 52 of the journey of self-love through self-care. My name is Amy Mercado and I'm the owner and creator of my brand, The Mercado Method, where you can find me teaching online a variety of online yoga classes, meditation, breath works. I've got a shitload of stuff on my YouTube as well, so I'll put the links below if you want to jump on and try some classes. Today's guest is Sky. And I don't really know much about this lady, except that I found her on the Mias app, which is an app really sort of created originally around men's um, videos for men's mental health, breath work, um, yogas, and just sort of ways of thinking differently. And the other morning I woke up and I got my notification from the app because you also get like a free trial with it as well. And I clicked onto the app and I scrolled through and I saw Sky's profile and it was to do with releasing negative blocks. So I clicked and did this five minute video, had a whole download of and a memory that I'd kept stuck as a child about not being able to achieve something. And whatever you said in that session, in that five minutes, help me realize where I'm holding myself back and blocking myself from having the confidence to try a new skill. So first of all, thank you for bringing that to my awareness and thank you for holding that space so that I could go in. So Sky, who are you? What are you currently doing at the moment? And just introduce yourself. Oh, can I just say that is absolutely amazing to hear that you got that from my session because um, I was so nervous to do that. So a little bit about me. So I'm Sky. Um, I'm a life coach at the moment. Um, I've had a real um, transformation in myself the last, I'd say probably the last two and a half years. So before I started my life, co my life coaching journey, I was a hairdresser and beautician for about 18 years. And um, loved it, absolutely loved it. Um, but then something happened probably about three years ago. And I was just like, I'm done. Like, I'm done with this. I don't want my own salon. I've got three beautiful children. I had, I've got a husband. Um, and I just thought, there's not more to me, but there's more to this than what I'm doing. And in a way, what I was doing with my clients I was just talking to them more so I was I was forgetting about their hair color and what I was doing practically it was more about emotionally how are you how is your friend how so so I was like oh this feels a little bit more like me so anyway um I feel like I've always been guided in a little bit of a way so found this free life coaching um two-day course in London went there signed up on the day loved it and um, so for the last two years, I've been coaching and doing my qualification. Um, and I've also studied in like energy work. So I'm a Rahani practitioner. Um, and looking at where I am now, I think I've always had a pull towards healing and energy work. And I've had um, I had Reiki done about six years ago and I've had it on and off. Um, for about six years and when I had Reiki I I was a bit dubious about Reiki I was like I'm not sure what this is about um, I've always been a lot more I've been interested in the natural way to feel better rather than more of a medical way to feel better because of stuff in my family 
I've seen um, people in my family be very, um, very dependent on medicine, like medication and stuff. And I've always seen that. And I've just thought, hmm, I'm not sure if I want to go down that road. There's nothing wrong with it. It helps lots and lots of people. But personally, for me, there was just something in me that just thought, Hmm, I want to kind of go down a bit of a different road um, with kind of healing and helping yourself. Um, so I think it's always been there. And I think as well as a hairdresser, hairdressers have got this kind of this thing about them where they just want to help and make people feel better. And like, you know, women with their hair, it's so important to them. So, um, yeah, so digressing. So with my Reiki, so having some Reiki done six years ago, I laid on the bed and this Reiki lady literally went all over my body. She was gonging things. She was spraying things. I was like, what is going on? And um, she brought, she felt something on my body that I had been, that I hadn't been looking at for a long time. And she said, there's a block here. And I was like, how does she know that? And something changed then because I thought, wow, this works. Like there's some, there's another way to help people in a natural way. And um, after that, she gave me some tips. She's like, you're not as, you're not grounded as much. There's a block there. So I had some more sessions and um, I went to therapy and was speaking about this block, which now I'm still, I'm this block, this thing that happened when I was younger is something that I've suppressed for all my life and I didn't speak to anyone about it. So um, I knew it was there, but it's certain things. And I don't know if it's your subconscious or something stops you from going there sometimes when it's so, when it hurts so much. So anyway, this brought that up. And I think that has kind of been a little bit of, that was my, I don't want to say trigger, but that was the beginning of my kind of um, inner work, I suppose. So I had some therapy on it. Um, and some more Reiki and um, energy healing. And I suppose what has happened is I've, I've been moving things. I've kind of stirred the pot in myself. And that's kind of led me to where I am now, which is a holistic coach and absolutely loving what I do. Like the transformation that happens with me and clients that come to me who are so courageous. They've come to me because they want change. They're not sure what coaching is, some of them, but they're like, can you help me? I've got this going on, this going on. And just by me holding space and giving them opportunities to talk about certain things and feel things and release things is just unbelievable. Like it gives me goosebumps. Um, so I've kind of found my purpose in a way that has been, there's been a lot of stirring up, but as I am today, like I'm, I'm on a beautiful mission to help people. Um, and I'm doing it. I'm kind of doing what I said that I, I wanted to do like a couple of years ago, I'm actually doing it. Um, but it's not easy, this journey, like there's a lot of, I'm going through a divorce. Um, I've got three children, my, you know, I closed my hairdressing business and had to start brand new with my coaching business. So there's been a lot around around everything but it's been amazing it's been amazing so that's kind of like a little bit of a summary of where I am and a little bit of kind of how I got to where I am at the moment if that makes sense 
couple of questions if that's all right yeah cool all, yeah. what is rahani therapy so rahani is a it's a light energy so obviously you've got reiki and then you've got rahani which is more of like a um it's a higher energy so it's more light it's more to do with um angels and light rather than um your chakras and stones with reiki so reiki is more of like an earth energy i'm guessing and i think rahani is more of a more of a light energy that's what my teacher said to me so yes yeah, a little bit it's a little bit um it's a bit of a newer modality rahani but it's really really powerful so um yeah i had a session and she was like right this is what you you've got to learn this i've learned it and um yeah I'm, I'm doing it in my cabin in my garden okay that's super i've not heard of that so thank you for yeah my awareness Arnie. what made you go to the reiki session in the first place and did you know there was a did you go there knowing i've got something blocked in my body or did you just go and feel like something's something needs to shift like what what made you go to reiki and when she said there's a block like did you because sometimes it makes you realize what that is this was my experience of reiki um i was hanging out with this girl i just met we we was chatting and then she said she did cards and i was a little bit open to these things she she did some cards and she went oh you need some healing i don't know what the fuck that is yeah put her hands on my womb burst into tears and straight away i knew why i was crying but I didn't know that I was holding that. So I'm just curious, what led you to Reiki? And when she said there's a block, did it trigger or activate in your mind? Like you knew what, it, if that makes sense? A hundred percent, Amy. So um, so this thing that happened to me when I was younger has been kind of on my mind my whole life, but not really knowing what to do with it. I didn't really know how to address it or what even needed doing so when I was in this was when I was working in a salon the lady that worked there was a Reiki master as well so she was talking to me about doing Reiki and something just like I said that I'm guided something just said ask her to to have Reiki and I was like oh I'll have some and she only lived like 10 minutes down my road she was like yeah I'll book you in um so it was just on the spare of the moment didn't really know much about Reiki um, this must have been about eight years ago, actually, because my daughter's six. So, yeah, so it was, it was like two years before that. So about eight years ago. So she was like, yeah, just come around. It's very casual. So I was interested with it, said I'd go. And then when I went there, it was um, very abnormal because it was like laying on a bed and I'd kind of kept lots of things very close to me. And, you know, a lady putting her hands around my body and that I was just like, oh, God, what are you doing? But then, obviously, like my energy just kind of relaxed. She was really um, calming. And she went to my sacral right at the bottom. And she said something just went, I'm not allowed to go there. And I was like, "Ah." and she said, you don't need to tell me anything. Just telling you your body is saying, don't go there. So there's a block there. And, you know, I've been in a relationship with my you know, I've been in relationships with men and I, I've known that there's been, there's been a little bit of a block there. But when she said that, I was like, wow, she doesn't know anything about me. She doesn't know anything. And because of what had happened, that took me straight there. I knew exactly what it was. And so did she by feeling my energy. So your womb space, she put her hands over my womb and she was like, there's something here. And I knew 
you knew what it was as well and it just I just burst into tears and I was like my god I don't normally cry either so it just sort of pinged it out it gives me goosebumps yeah and I've also had Reiki with other people as well I don't know about you and there's also been times when I've actually come away and felt like I've actually took on now I appreciate energy I'd come home sometimes and feel worse yeah but I feel like I was there to serve them sometimes if I'm yeah. going so I'm very conscious now who where and what I'm going to and that's one thing I always say to people as well like because we are very trusting yeah. sometimes not that it's people's intentions but sometimes it can come across and I come home and I'm like I think I went there to serve them as yeah. opposed to me I don't know if that experience has happened for you at all yeah I feel that um since I've done Rahani there's a lot of like and um, practices where you protect yourself so you're more of a channel so the energy goes through you rather than like when I used to do massage I would be exhausted because I would be and even hairdressing I would be giving it so now because I know how important energy is I I was exhausted doing hair and beauty because I was giving everything because of how I am and what I want to do I wasn't it was like I was trying to do what I was doing, but because I was doing it practically and communication wise, I was exhausted. Whereas now, because I've, I can protect my energy and I do it by therapy, by talking. That's my, that's my gift, talking and holding space, doing Rahani, but it's different because it's more of a channel. So I think because I've been so exhausted with my energy I now am very, um, I protect my energy every single day and every single night. Um, I go to everything. I wouldn't not go to a place because of the energy and because it, it, you know, it might be people that I don't vibe with. I don't do that. I just kind of protect myself so I can stand in it um, knowing that I'm not going to, I'm not going to take anything else on because of this boundary, I suppose, of protection. Yeah. That's helped me. Yeah, it's helped me. Now, I've again, I've sort of been putting practices in. Yeah. And then it's like, do I, am I actually topped up enough to go there? And sometimes mm-hmm. I also like to go to, to get out of my comfort zone a little bit and see like, okay, can I navigate through this now? Because at first it got to the point where I'd walk away and feel exhausted. Yeah. I feel, I used to work very long hours and same as probably on your feet all the time, right? As yeah. a hairdresser. All the time. I, I was just running on adrenaline the whole time. So now yeah. I'm of energy. I'm like, oh my God, like I feel really drained. Whereas before, but like you used to just plow through everything and not notice. That's, I think that's the difference, Amy, as well. It's like, like I don't drink caffeine anymore, but I used to live off coffee. Then I'd, you know, I'd drink alcohol and go out and it would, all I'd be doing would just be topping me up. But really the, the little sky would be going, we're exhausted. But I'd be going, so like, there's, there's coffee there, there's sugar there, there's that. But then like, you know, our, like the come down and stuff, you're like, you're just, a, you're done. Your body just goes no more. Whereas now I think because it's more natural, we get that up and down every day, don't we? You know, you get that time where you haven't got as much energy, but you you allow it and then you do have energy, but you're not fixing it. You're just flowing with it. I, think my, I didn't drink caffeine even when I was younger. So even I used to run on those sort of fumes, I feel like now I was just running on, so I'm quite an energetic bunny. So I'd be running on my own burnout of energy and then feeding off the other energy that was quite tense around me. Yeah. like and now it's like I noticed when I do want sugar and things I'm trying to pick myself up and like day I said like I ran down to the shop and got some peanut butter and I was like yeah. I just need some peanuts <laughs> and I'm like 
you know what? They are little bursts of energy and okay. it's okay to sort of dance with it now a little bit. Um, but yeah. yeah, I feel like I'm very, very aware at the moment of how I'm, how I'm feeling. Yeah. And this I was going to ask you as well, like, because growing up, um, we spoke a bit before that like I was on uh, anxiety medication and antidepressants from 16. It's only been the last couple of years that I've come off it. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a house where I guess the emotions were just steady. Yeah. If, if someone got angry, we'd freak out and then we'd do the best that we could to not do that. But yeah. what was it like growing up with, I don't know if, if, with the medication being in the family and being like that as a child. Yeah. So my dad, actually, his mum was on it. She still is not particularly well with things. Yeah. And the emotional, like him expressing feelings is very rare. Or if he sees me get upset now, he's like, well, and I'm like, it's okay. I'm letting it out. But how was it sort of like growing up in that environment um, as a child and as a teenager? Yeah. Just kind of, that's not triggered me but exactly what you've just said is um was similar to how I was brought up so my mum's mum wasn't very well she was on um I think she got sectioned um back in the day so you know she was very poorly and um I think my mum's taken on um quite a bit of um mental health problems as well she's absolutely amazing like she's my best friend but she has been up and down and she was a single mum with me um, and I think what she did was she to keep so she we had a house she worked a lot um, my dad wasn't there so for her to, she was just surviving she was surviving every day and for her to survive every day she 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 was scared to feel what was actually going on because she and I get it now like I've been in that this year because I've been me and my husband have broken up this year and I went into a survival mode but I, I'm not on any medication, but I've been feeling, I've felt my way through it instead of numbing. And I think my mum numbed it because she was scared to go there. Um, so I'm so grateful to have seen it that way though, as well, because um, she's just doing the best what she could with what she had. And she did absolutely amazing. But as a child looking, it was like, emotions and feelings were scary because they were overwhelming they overwhelmed her so she kind of medicated them but I'm I was kind of mirroring her like oh okay like um we've got to fix it we've got to fix it suppress it suppress it and the person that I know that I am I can't do that I can't do it I'm I'm an expressionate person expressionate expressionate um and for me to do what I'm here to do I need to talk I need to feel I need to move so um so so being brought up in a house where it was up and down um it's kind of taught me um a nice skill to kind of to tune into people to see to actually to to notice how they feel instead of just listening to what they're saying because I knew my I knew my mum wasn't coping but she was too scared to not because she didn't know what would happen if she couldn't it was just me and her and she was you know she was responsible for me so her way was suppressing it and just kind of surviving and it was a struggle it was she's it was hard it was hard for her but she um she's a warrior she's done amazing and she's like my I would tell her anything and she's the most unjudgmental loved me unconditionally but she had a lot of stuff going on she had a lot of stuff going on do you know what 
similar with my mum, so she ended up being a single mum, bringing up me and my brother, and I, I resented her for a lot of years, and it's only been since this journey that we began this healing journey together. And one thing I'm really grateful for is going through this transition of, you know, going work in a certain way and then potentially changing. Because yeah. both my parents have been through so much stuff themselves. They just accept that we want to be happier. Yeah. And they're really, even though my mum gets scared and she projects a lot of her fears out there, like, what are you going to do and how are you going to handle this? Yeah. And I'm like, it's all right, because that was her fear with certain things. Yeah. But they're also like, are you happy though? Like, do you need that? Like, they just generally want me to be happy rather than you need to fit in and conform and tick a box. Um, like when I was going through my separation with my husband, I feel like because they'd gone through their separation. And when I was at my age, nobody at school had parents that were divorced or I don't know what it was like with you as well. And it was almost like we was, people would look at us differently and talk to us differently yeah. because our parents were separating. And it was almost like the reality of, this world can fall apart as well. And we were sort of seeing it. So I don't know what it was like for you as well. Yeah, I completely feel that, Amy. So, cause we we were in a, so my mum and dad met in London. So my mum's from Surrey and my dad's from London. So my mum was living in London, met my dad, um, things didn't work out. So she moved back home to Surrey when I was about f- six. So I went into year one here. So I was in reception in, Hampton and then came back here when I was six um and um I felt that so we came back to Surrey in a little village it's very um I'm mixed I've got big curly hair I've got freckles I've, I've always felt very different voice I've, I've always felt very different um and um we came back to the village and mum got a house and it was amazing, you know, it was exactly what she, she didn't want me growing up in London. She wanted me back there and she wanted to be near her dad and stuff. Um, but I remember like in, even in year one, just feeling really different. Like um, I thought I spoke different. I looked different. There wasn't many single parents then either. So we were probably the only one. So I'm 35. So yeah, about eight. So, so I probably was and I think I got did I get free me I can't remember but I remember feeling that that I didn't have kind of what other people had and I'll tell you a little bit of a sad story so we had to do a family tree don't know if you ever did that at school you know when you have to so we had to take pictures out we had to literally take pictures out of our photos and put them on a piece of paper with our real mum real dad and I've got a sister on my dad's side so I actually, I did my mum, I got a picture of my sister and I put a, a different dad on the, on the, um, on the tree. Um, and I pretended that we were all together, but they knew I wasn't. But when I looked at it, I was like, mum, dad, da, da, da. And I was, and I just kind of knew that that, that wasn't real, but I was like, yeah, that's, that's what I've got. Um, so I think I was always playing into trying to be like the others, knowing that I wasn't, and there was a difference. There was a big difference in kind of what I was really going through and what I kind of wanted, I suppose, to be going through or wanted to be in. Did because for me it sounds like similar. I was a little bit older, but I also knew that things weren't right with my parents from a young age. Even though they'd tell me I think was fine, you know, as kids, yeah. you feel the energy. Um, 
but did that for me my coping mechanism ended up becoming like an eating disorder and it was a way to sort of hide my feelings and I ended up I guess bullying myself and manipulating my body and it's only been the last couple of years that I've started to actually realize that my body is my greatest asset and yeah. she's my best friend and she's got my back but I just wondered like what was your relationship with your body and like was the end like growing up as well I was on a lot of, I was on speed by the time I was sort of 14 diet pills and that was my coping mechanism to sort of say well I don't want to deal with this environment because I was so I felt so lonely yeah. as a child but very lonely and it was a way for me then to punish myself and create problems with food and stuff so I just wondered what was it like for you yeah exactly it's so similar like we've got such a similar um kind of background so with me that loneliness so um my mum worked full time um my granddad her dad looked after me a lot and picked me up and my nan that wasn't my real it was like my stepnan who my granddad married after he left my mum's mum they were like another they were like parents to me um so they used to pick me up after school and stuff and my mum would be at work. And I just remember being so lonely, like sitting, but just eating biscuits to try and to try and fill up this gap. That I, but the gap is still I'm not going to like the gap is still there. Right. The gap is still there. Even when I eat now, I'm going, you're right. You're enough. Well, you don't need any more. You don't need any more. But I remember sitting like just dunking biscuits. And my nan and granddad, you know, they're older. They're, they don't care about sugar and teeth and all that. So I would sit until I was absolutely I couldn't put any more in, but I was full. And that and that took away the loneliness of me sitting, watching telly on my own for like four hours. Them being there, but they're older, so they're not giving me kind of what I wanted, I suppose. But So I think I grew up quite quick and quite lonely. My mum would hate me saying that, but it is true. Um, so I definitely have used, I've used food, I've used drink, I've used drugs, I've used men <laughs> yeah I've used all of it really um but it all goes down to that feeling which has been right here of a hole there's been like a hole there and I've been trying to fill it trying to fill it with other things and now as I stand today that that hole is still there a little bit um but I don't use external stuff I just I use my own stuff I use my breath I look around, I think, what am I, what's, what's going on at the moment? What, what's triggering this? So it's that, um, I suppose, being more in tune with actually myself rather than looking to just allowing that, that little feeling to be there actually is quite a challenge because I've always wanted to take that feeling away, but it would never, it would, it would never completely go unless I felt which I have felt so sick, probably what you have as well from eating where I can't think of anything else because it is just, you're so full and you're so, you feel so bad. That's the, that's the state. You're like, I feel so bad. I'm so full. I'll, that's okay. I'll stay there. And you can't think of anything else. So it does distract you a little bit from feeling lonely and empty by consuming so much and filling yourself up. It's funny. My, this is what I've been learning recently is, I never feel full. So even when I binge and binge and binge, it just never ended. To the, the only time it would stop is the next day I'd wake up and I felt like someone, I'd get the pains, like it felt like yeah. someone 
So I'd be reacting. Um, I had like candida, I realized years later, and I've got polycystic ovaries. So again, from all the binges, but to this day, I still don't actually know when I'm truly full because I've fucked with my hormones so much. Yeah. Um, and for me, like realizing that it was connection that I was looking for and I was looking for touch and affection. Um, and I was using food to sort of soothe that for me um but i was just wondering like what what sort of how have you sort of broken away from the binge cycles so um it's still there if i'm honest it's still there like there's um i've changed my diet a lot like i something said to me stop drinking alcohol stop doing drugs stop doing this so like i said to you i, I feel like i've been guided a little bit by um I don't know, by just, I suppose, tuning in a little bit to my body and knowing that I don't actually want certain things. But the food thing, I would say this this feeling, um, it's still it's still there. But what I'm doing now, I don't I don't really I do the other day, actually, I'm not going to lie. So I haven't eaten sugar for a long time, but I felt really hormonal on the, the new moon on on Monday. Oh, my God. And I just raided the whole box of trick-or-treat stuff and I was just sat there eating all this sugar and I thought don't judge don't judge do it your body needs it but I haven't done that for a long long time but what I've what I've done I think I think I've naturally weaned myself off things because I know what makes me feel good and what makes me don't what makes me feel worse so I'm definitely more in tune with my body but I'm also not really beating myself up over if I do but I am a bit black and white I can't I don't want coffee I don't want caffeine anymore and I don't want sugar but if I do have the odd one then it's all right it's okay because you know it's I'm going to be a bit more flexible it's life but um but I would say with the binging but me becoming aware of it is definitely putting the brakes on it I put the brakes on it. it's still there I, I know I could still I could still do it but because I'm more aware of it, um, I'm stopping myself from doing it to a degree where I was doing it before. I don't think I'm suppressing anything anymore. So if I'm doing it, it's because I'm due on or I'm tired or the full moon. Or, do you know what I mean? It's something like that, more of a more of something that is just in flow rather than me using it as a tool to get through something. So even like this year, um, me and my husband have broken up and... Um, like this could have been a real excuse for me to go off the rails. And I have already, I've already pre-planned, like if our marriage broke up and this and that, what would I do? I'd probably just go mental in this. And I've done the, I've done the absolute opposite, like absolute opposite. I've been up in the morning meditating. I haven't drunk much. I, I've been like reading all the time. There's just, it's just been, I'm like, Wow, I didn't know this is like after a breakup. I thought I'd be, I've not, I've not been with anyone. I've not, I've just, I've just been like, just been in my in my kitchen and like working and training and meditating and just looking after myself. Do you well from what you've said and you've obviously left the business from the hairdressing and now you're pursuing as something that you've got a fresh spark of life. Yeah, you've, I guess. If you had to, if you was going, maybe if you're still hairdressing, it could have been a different, I don't know, it might have been a different story because you're, we're, we're doing something that we know that we don't 
or it's not serving us because yeah. when I broke up with my husband, so but before I met him, like I was at the point where I could, I can drink and I can do a shitload of drugs and I can still get up and do a spin class and teach body pump. And I'll be like, you know, I was that person as well. So I'd, I, even though I train really, really hard, I could still go out on an all night bender have like 20 minutes sleep and then get to a class and still deliver and teach. So I always knew that I needed to train because I was still like, I need to get the sugar out of my system and I want to whatever. And when I met my husband at the time, he was totally anti-drugs and anti-alcohol massively into fitness. So for six years, that part of me, you know, got left behind and I was like, okay, I'm into training now, changed how I ate. And he taught me how to cook properly and, um, I went from, and when I met him, I went from being vegan, vegetarian to, he taught me about eating meat and how to sort of like, just, just stuff like that. So I had this whole other shift. So my new obsession and way of um, dealing with my feelings was medication and pushing myself in the gym. So when we broke up after six years, like he, one of his rules was I could never go to Ibiza again. So the first thing I did, I said, like, is this definitely it? I'm going to book go Ibiza because if, if I, I knew if I went there like it was done done because I'm going to go and do drugs I'm going to go party and I was like it's been six years I'm ready to and that's what I did I went every weekend I was either on a bender I wasn't drinking because I didn't really like alcohol at this point but I'd still be on the MD I'd be on the pills and partying and then I met a partner that that was a raver as well so I've now got two of us after six years of doing nothing still trying to work like a psychopath in a gym and training and not being happy and still medicating. Whereas going through recently, I've, I've, I'm transitioning out of something and coming out of, I guess it was more of a conscious coupling experience. And same as you, like where I've got all these disciplines since the last two years, I'm still getting up. I still set my alarm to get up at 5am. I still want to do my yin yoga and my breath work and my, and I'm like, it's such a different way of navigating because I'm also so much happier not living how I used to live. And the old me, normally you look back as well, when you find things that make you feel good, when things go to shit, you don't do them and you go back to your old patterns. So it's so cool to hear that you're like, because I guess you've been going through this transition, you're going for a massive, you're going for a, a marriage breakup with children as well. And you're like, I'm still going to keep my shit together in a way that I know is going to nourish my soul. But there's also going to be times when you're like, do you know what? I'm a human and I'm also going to binge every now and again. And that's okay because life's actually about balance. And we're also dealing with, you can't even go to the shop and queue up without shit loads of shit there anyway. So it's, it's such a, you know, your, your body's like, well, this is the old pattern I want to go to. And you're sort of going through this dynamic. And like I said, today I was like, fuck it. I want peanut butter. Can I trust myself with peanut butter? Normally I can't even have it in the house. Whereas I was like, if you're going to have a little binge, I'm going to enjoy that. And that's cool. That's, that's it. I love that. I love what you've just said, but that is, that is it. Just, just, if we want to do it, like just enjoy it. Like we, I think we're so used to beating ourselves up, aren't we? Over everything, even over like talking to someone to, every we're so used to it. and this is like my mission as well as and I have to take what I'm saying as well like you don't even need to answer to anyone you don't need to explain yourself we're so used to going can I do this is it okay to do that people pleasing people pleasing even when we just want to sit and eat some chocolate we're still beating ourselves up going shouldn't be doing this shouldn't be doing this like you say just like you when I met you you got your you got your peanut butter and you got your spoon eat it girl enjoy your peanut butter <laughs> 
I do have to buy the ones that I don't particularly like. That helps me. However, I don't like smooth. I like crunchy. And I looked today and I thought, I'm going crunchy. Like, I don't care. So I'm going in. You enjoyed it. It was yeah. lovely. I mean, I used to binge on it so bad. I'd be burping it up the next morning after going to sleep and my body's still not digested it. So it would be chronic. And it got to the point where I was like, I'm still binging. But I was like, do you know what? Fuck it. And I used to binge on it with dates and everything else. So I thought, you know what? You're at the point now, it's just the peanut butter. So you're you're getting through the layers. You should have been improved. Yeah. And you've enjoyed it. Like, enjoy it. Absolutely. But I think as well, what you said with um, it's like we, like you had to do with Ibiza and stuff, you had to kind of get that. You needed to do that again. You needed to do that again to get that out of your system so then now you're not doing that this time so it was like with my kids it was it was like I've been an absolute nutter I've been out I've been hung over with them and stuff and I thought right so this is going on this is a big change like our marriage is we we're breaking up our family's breaking up I something in me was like right you make a decision you're here or you're there and I was like I'm here I'm in for it I'm in for I'm in for it whatever's whatever's gonna happen I'm here I'm here for it and this is what has happened some it some you know some energy or something has been my strength to say don't need that keep doing this you don't need that and I think having the three kids you know with me and looking up looking at me I've had them to do it for as well but I've done it from I've done it gradually for myself to get to this point so everything that I've learned I suppose coaching and stuff has has given me so much awareness of Mm. how to do it this way which is my way see my mum so she had me at 22 and my brother at I think 24 and um when she slept with my dad I think she was 32 and she'd never gone clubbing she'd never raved never really drank she had parents that she had to have a curfew by like 10 o'clock so as she's breaking up with my dad, I'm 15 clubbing and she's in the over 21s and I'm sneaking into the over 18s. We'd be in the same nightclub and she'd be getting home more drunk than me and I'd be smashed. And it was it was probably some of the funniest years of my life as well because it's like, it doesn't matter, I had a free house all the time and there was times when I looked back and I was really resentful, but I only got pissed off when she decided she didn't want to party anymore. And all of a sudden she wanted to be a mum, she had a boyfriend over and I'm like, what the fuck? I used to have like about 20, 30 kids in this house. Like we didn't have much money growing up. We had this ridiculously big house. So it is interesting to also hear like, you know, because you've gone through that experience to go, actually, I've kind of done all that. And I'm at this stage now where I'm going to show up for myself. Because if I'm not showing up for myself, then nobody gets the better of me and the best of me. So it's, it's really nice to also hear it from a different sort of perspective as a mum sort of doing it that way. Because I think, gosh, how would... You know, if our mums had had these, like the internet and these, you know, having a reel, like when I watched your reel the other day about talking about going through a transition, I thought our parents didn't have these opportunities and they didn't, you know, and they did the best that they could. And they had, there was no guidebook. It was just like, I mean, my mum, I said, well, why did you stay with dad for so long? And she was like, well, I felt bad that my parents had paid for a wedding. And it's just like, the conditioning and the pressure and and I said to her, well, what would you say to me if I was going through that? She's like, I'd tell you to get the fuck out because they've gone through this now. And it's like to have these experiences, but to hear that you're like, you know, I've done that and I've had that opportunity 
because we do need to get this out of our system. And I think when I met my partner at the time, I went from one world to another. So I guess I suppressed what was left in me. So when I was like, I want to be a rebel and I still like to dance and party. But the beautiful part of this journey for me is that I've been introduced to, I'm in a lot of sober communities now, like ecstatic dance and like non-psychedelic mushrooms and like other plant medicines and stuff like that that sort of bring these euphoric states and breath work sort of bring us up to this. But it is, I met a guy recently and he was going through a divorce with four kids and he's like, I'm down the pub every night, at least I'm you know back with the boys. And it's like, unless you know there's different alternatives and you can feel good by doing practices, your old system is going to go, that mine was, go and party again, go and rave, because that was my way of letting off steam and energy. Absolutely. It's like, that's so lovely how you said it. It's like, there's that, like like with you going back to Ibiza, you had that last bit, you had to squeeze that last little bit out because something inside you was going, this is it, this is it, because without you knowing, this what I mean, there's like a guidance that is like, pushing us towards something so when I was younger we I actually lived in um Malia I went I lived in Greece for like six months with my best friend from I think 17 to 18 and then I met my ex-husband the year after so in my head I was like I've done it I've been there so I fell pregnant at 20 not planned but because I in my head I was and I and when I say I'm lucky to come back alive from Alia, like literally lucky to come back alive, it was an absolute, I was out of control, like out of control, but but it all was okay. It was all okay. We all came back okay. Nothing, you know, it was okay. But because I'd done that just before, I was like, when I met my ex-husband, it was that we initially just were, we just were drawn together and he's amazing. He's an absolutely amazing person. We're just not meant to be together. So it was a very quick whirlwind. So we met, I was 18, 19. He was like four years older than me. Within a year, I fell pregnant just before I qualified as a hairdresser in my in the salon that I was working in. And I had all these plans. I wanted to go traveling with hair and stuff. And I fell pregnant and I was like, I didn't know what to do. So, and he was really, he was really, really supportive of whatever I wanted to do. And it took me, yeah, we got to the, the decision to keep have the baby and I've got a beautiful son uh, my first son I've got two boys and a girl um they're all three amazing but that to become a mum at 21 um was very very overwhelming and um I definitely carried a lot of anxiety and depression at moments with it and with all three of them to be honest um it's been Yes, it's very hard being a mum in a beautiful way. It's hard in a beautiful way, um, but it was very young. But what I think is I was like, I've done that. I've already done that. Whereas really, I didn't even know who I was. I don't even know who I am now at 21. So it was it was like a way of me going, oh, I, I can settle down now because I've done that. Whereas actually my whole 20s, I still went out and I still did what I wanted to do. So by the time, so now at 35, I am I am done with all that like completely done with that kind of life but that rebellious side was still there at that time so I I wanted to do it but now it's done and it was it's been slowly slowly leaving me so there was even like thinking about the you know breaking up with my ex and stuff there was a little side of me that's like you can just go out and do what you want now and and I and I was like 
no, I'm not, no, I've, that's kind of not what I want to do now. So, um, yeah, it's weird how you pull away from your old self, don't you? But you, you, you don't, you do it kind of, un, you do it unconsciously. You kind of, you've gone over that bit and you're, yeah, you kind of, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's a mental journey. It's crazy, but beautiful. Someone said something to me yesterday and I thought it was a really cool way that he put it. And he said, you know, that like we're in our twenties and we think we know it all. And we're kind of like, you know, we're ready to be an adult, even though we don't, when you look back, you're like, don't actually know who I was. Yeah. But he was like, like, I'm not a mum. I don't know if I'm going to have kids or not, but now I've got this level of awareness sometimes. And this guy said to me, sometimes when you actually know less, you can blag it a lot easier and not overthink it so much. Whereas now I'm like, when I've gone through this stage, I like over, it's got to the point where I'm like, I've got to stop analyzing. Cause I, got, I went into this stage where I was like analyzing everything. Yeah. And it's like, you know, to be a mum coming in with this level of awareness with things as well. I'm like, I'm like, my brother's got two kids now and I'm scared to say to my niece, good girl. Or, and I'm just like, can I say that? Is this, <laughs> just like, oh, I'm just gonna hug you. Oh no, I need to ask your permission to touch you. So it's like, oh my God, at least like as well, sometimes when you don't know as much, it's, oh. it's honestly when I look back at like you know think of 21 like you know when you think you know everything and then you then literally you become you get this responsibility and you're I'm like now I'm like oh god I'm just <laughs> the awareness that I've got now I'm definitely I wouldn't say more uh, what is it it's, the difference is what is it naivety um Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance that's, is bliss. Right. that's it. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. So now I'm, you know, more conscious with, um, you know, being a mum, but also, um, also like taking the pressure away because I think when I was fearful of being a mum and being anxious and stuff, I was controlling a lot. I was like controlling, controlling things that I could control because everything else was out of control. Whereas now I'm a lot more like, Look, darling, that's going to really hurt. If you do that, it's up to you. Whereas before, I'd be like, no, don't touch it. So I would be putting like this cage around them. And now I'm like, you got, babe, you got toothpaste on your top. You all right with that? All right, yeah, you go. Whereas before, I would be like, you can't go out. Let me check you. Now I'm like, yeah, you're going out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. You're going out like that. That's that's fine. That's fine. But it's like, you have to, I've, it's there this is their part this isn't me projecting my fears and my worries on them this is their right they I'm here to guide I'm here to guide but I'm not here to control yeah that's a massive shift like that's you know and I I look back now my mum was like god I used to be so embarrassed by you because you'd be running around and doing this and I was like and now we look back I'm like I was also just being a kid but at first I got really judgmental like oh so you didn't let me be me and actually like it's like freaking hell this I've had to go through this humbling stage as well. Like, wow, how did you also do all of that? And as a as a teenager, basically, like we're still like in our twenties, I'd still say we're sort of teen mode. So now I've sort of at first I went through this massive judgmental space, and now I'm just like, wow. Also being mindful to not go pedestal too much as well, because then you also get a bit deluded with things. So it's just, just trying to find that, that that anchoring of like, you're amazing but you also did the best that you could. And there's also was stuff that wasn't okay, but you didn't know any better. So there's it's like this constant compassion, kindness, forgiveness, and just peeling back the layers. And I'm also not a mum, so I can't even say, you know, what that would be like, because 
you know, I can't even keep a plant alive at the best of times. Like seriously, like my cat just died the other week. And I was like, that's the one plant you're meant to like not be able to kill off. And I was like, I did it so well. Did it. <laughs> I'm just mindful of the time. So I'm just going to ask a, just a couple more questions. Yeah. Okay, because you spoke about obviously giving up your hairdressing business and I'm guessing it was probably at a stage where it was actually either doing quite well or you'd built a business up over a long time. How did you sort of like navigate through that and have the confidence to let something go that you've obviously put 18 years into? Yeah, and it was so weird because it was, um, I struggled in school. So I, um, I found school really hard. So I actually got a job when I was, I think I was 13 till I was 16. So in secondary school, because I, I struggled, I actually got a placement in a hairdressing salon. Um, and that actually kept me in school. So it was my identity. My hairdressing was my identity because I, I, I literally blocked myself and said, I can't use my brain. I'm dyslexic. I'm struggling. So I need to do something else. So I was like, my hands, I'm going to use my hands. So I literally made my mind up at like eight years old. I was like, I'm just going to do hairdressing. Yeah, and I cut my best friend's mum's hair at like eight. She let me cut her hair. Absolute nutter. She loved it. She's amazing. I cut her hair and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. So I, I made that belief was in me from like, from when I struggled with education to, I don't know, to when I decided not to do it. That was part of my... Are they telling you that you were struggling as well? Or did yeah. you just know? Yeah, so... Told? Yeah, I was... Well, they said to my mum... You know, my reading age, my reading age at like 10 was like five. <laughs> I couldn't read what the other kids were reading. I couldn't really spell my whole name, but my whole name is, a, I've got a very long middle name and surname. I still just about can spell it now. <laughs> but um, yeah, they there was a lot of sky struggling, sky struggling with this, sky struggling with that. Um, so I got a statement to be um, statemented dyslex dyslexic at like, I think I was like 10 so I had help I had like someone support me um but school just wasn't for me it just wasn't for me um but I did it and um yeah so so back to the question is that what was happening with me is I was transitioning I think um while I was hairdressing thinking I've done this I've made myself just feel like this is all I can do and where I was growing in other areas and I'm definitely a changer. I like to change. I like to move. I like to grow. And I felt stagnant. I was like, no, nah, this doesn't, this doesn't feel right. This isn't what I wanted. I wanted to do hairdressing because it's creative and this is all I can do, but it wasn't doing that for me. But also what I've realized now is that that was a belief that that was all I could do. So, um, so when I told my clients and stuff, it was, yeah, it was hard. It was really hard because I, I worked it around my kids because my ex was away with work a lot. So it worked around what we were doing, but it wasn't it wasn't doing it for me. It wasn't it wasn't um, it wasn't filling me up. How um how has it been, though, like doing that transition and going like maybe you was earning X amount to now like doing the shift or has it sort of like how is that navigating through it? So with my hair, so my husband his job he had a really he's a stunt man so he had a really good job and he was away quite a lot so my I didn't really need to work for a few years because we had money coming in so it was more me still wanting to do it and being independent and keeping my you know keeping my clients so the money it wasn't for the money then it was just me doing it because I enjoyed it but then when I wasn't enjoying it um 
and there's a there is an independence in me that's like you you want to do I want to do more um I do want to earn good money and I want to I want to I want to feel good with what I'm doing and I couldn't I couldn't find it with the hair so so it's been it was over COVID as well so it's like the first year I was doing hair then the second year COVID COVID hit so I couldn't do hair anyway so it kind of worked out really good because then I just studied for like a year mm. and then the beginning of this year I got my qualification and um I started my online coaching business like the literally the beginning of this year so it was like from me not earning anything to now me earning a little bit and just just building my business like self-employed on my own feels good my friend said the other day and I love this she was like money's just a byproduct now doing what you love and I was like yeah. when you get to that point you're like oh my god like you've got it you've got it but then it's still there like you know there's responsibilities of being a mum and family but to find something that I love and I enjoy feels incredible and to be like for me when I left the gyms and doing my stuff like to be able to be creative and make my own content and just have fun with it now was like this is it. And it's, it's been a struggle the last six months, I'd say, because I've also got this block at the moment of not wanting to create stuff, but then creating when I feel called to. So there's this, like, this weird push. I don't know about you, but I'm getting a bit of a push-pull dynamic lately of like, do I want to share that? Don't I? Do, do I want, actually, I want some time for myself lately. I'm going through this transition. I've done about you, but it's almost like kind of wanting to go a bit inwards again, go a bit more reflective and then sort of come back out again so it's like I'm going through I feel like I'm starting to come out the hole again I went back in and I'm like I'm coming back out now yeah and I'm, I'm not sure what this is it's like that authenticity isn't it I feel like that with my with like my Instagram because that's all I've got I haven't got a website or anything yet so a lot of it is all on Instagram but it's like you want to sometimes I want to do stuff and then I think no I, but I'm not I'm not feeling that I'm not but, but I want to be authentic. So I want to, I want to show up, but then I want to show up. So it's, it is that like tug of war, isn't it sometimes? So, but then sometimes I think, do you know what, just stop and just, just do it. If you like it, post it. If you don't, don't worry about it. Sometimes we can, we can overcomplicate it, can't we? My friend said as well, his, his, his friend said to him, like, if you're recording something, you're recording it for a reason. Yeah. So, like, and sometimes I record stuff and then I just do it for myself. Yeah, that's a really that's good. been really nice. So like I recorded something for eleven eleven portal and then I did it and I thought that one's just for me. And oh. then I recorded something else for others for me to do in a bit, but I was like, this one's just mine and that's oh. okay. So it's, it's been it's been an interesting at first I was like, Oh, you wasted time doing that. And I was like, No, because you're gifting that to yourself and that's a little piece of you for you. Yeah, that is, and that's that little bit of self-love that you that now you should be really proud of seeing that because you're like that's you giving yourself a cuddle going do you know and that's the thing as well it's like you can give out but you also do we do need to fill up our cup because I can only give as much as I am so if I'm feeling crap then that's all I'm gonna give but that's okay but I, then I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to give out as much so I need to, you need we need to be aware of that as well otherwise it's that falseness as well which is not authentic which we need it's, to do. it's going again it's going for that transition isn't it and it's like oh so when I look back when I first went on this journey I was like oh was you doing that for you or was that your ego so again it's been like a, and so what like again that person there like cool she didn't know or I wasn't doing it for that and I wasn't aware if I was doing it for those reasons and if I was like I have to just have compassion and forgiveness for myself again absolutely um 
So let's, so we spoke about a lot. How do people find you and what sort of things do you offer um, just to sort of wrap up? Yeah, so I'm, um, my name on Instagram is Skies Holistic Coaching, um, Skies underscore holistic underscore coaching. Um, so I do a lot of content on there, a lot of free content, um, reels and yeah, just content there about um, stuff that I'm learning, stuff that I'm doing. Um, and if anyone, I, can I get like, can I, I haven't got a website or anything, but that's fine. What I'll do is I'll tag your Insta and I think. Yeah. And then but just yeah, yeah just what, what sort of services you offer. So my, yeah. So um so my service is all holistic. So we work with money blocks, uh, emotional blocks, energy blocks, um, limiting beliefs. And I do like a six-week program. Um, and it's every week on Zoom. So I so it's like a block of six. And it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It's um, it's a way for me to hold space for people to, they come, normally they come with something that they want or something that they don't want. But what generally happens is that thing that they don't want or that they do want changes because the, it's the awareness that they grow in these six weeks. They're like, oh my God, I can't even remember what I wanted because I'm I'm, I can see this now and I'm feeling like this now so it's like a it's like a massive journey of self-development and um and what is really powerful I think as well is when I've had feedback from my clients is that it's sometimes it's the first time they have felt safe to talk about certain situations in their life and once you start talking and communicating you're communicating to yourself so they'll come away and you know I always say you know, don't think that it's going to be like they come away and it's all motivational and inspiring, but also it's the aftermath of that. Cause you, once you start talking about things, your, your, your brain will start bringing up things. So it's, it's work. It's like starting the work and it can be, it's rocky. It can be rocky, but it's to self-discovery. So, um, that's when the growth comes, right? Yeah. So it, I always, yeah, I always kind of say three questions. I'm like, are you committed are you open and do you believe in yourself? And if it's yes, I'm like, cool, we can work together. But if that if that's not there, then come back another time. But you need to be committed because this is this is all about them. This is nothing to do with me. It's the knowledge and the questions and the space I hold is incredible, but it's all to do with them. It's like a mirror. So it's all to do with them. So if they're committed and open and honest, then let's go. You're going to transform. And just one quick question just to wrap up, because this is the journey of self-love through self-care. So what is like a couple of your self-care sort of things that you do for you, especially as a mum? Because yeah. a lot of people feel guilty for doing stuff for themselves, especially as a parent. Like, what is something that is like your non-negotiable for you as part of your self-care sort yeah. of thing? So yeah, that's a really um, great question. So the the... The first thing I would say is giving yourself time, allow yourself time because we're rushing around here, there and everywhere. Even if you just book it in time for myself, 10 to 15 minutes to just sit, to read, to just be and just allow yourself that space. Commit to yourself just some time. Um, what I do as well, I work out every day. I, 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 my energy is really um, important to me to move my body. So I run every morning I meditate 
And what I'm doing now, I would say, is that I'm finding compassion for everything I'm going through, everything. Even this morning, my daughter didn't want to leave me because she wanted me today. And and I just held like a compassion. I was, it, it got to, a, it was a bit of a trigger because I was like, no, no, we've been fine. Why are you crying? What's going on? Yeah. I got to hold compassion because I was like, no, she just wants to be with me because I'm her mom. And, but I'm like, I've got things to do. But just holding compassion for what you're in and the people around you. Because um, I think then you you spread what you hold, you spread. So just being aware of, yeah, of how you how you hold yourself and yeah, how you feel about yourself. So time, meditation and compassion, I would say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for, I know I can ask a lot of sort of invasive questions sometimes and allow me just to sort of peel back the layers. Um, thank you for allowing me to sort of go in. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Um, like I said, that five minutes I did on the app, I was like, who is this woman? And mm. I'm just blown away. So thank you for... I guess doing this work and share, getting ready to share it with others to show us that there are other ways to do things and to break out of these old patterns and conditions. So I'll pop Sky's details below as well if you want to get in touch and reach out. And if you've got any more questions for either of us, please like drop us a message. I'm sure we'll be both happy to answer. And I'm going to stop the recording now. Um, so thank, thank you, Sky. Thank you. I love that.